Blog Talk Radio. Well, that was weird. Where's my <laughs> Where's my intro music? <laughs> <laughs> I don't understand. Anyway, hi, everybody. <laughs> Thanks for tuning in to Dynamic Dojo Talk Radio with Rosita and Robert. It is the, what is today? It's the 13th. Wait. 14th. <laughs> it's the 14th. Oh, man. It's been, it's been a crazy week, everybody. And, um, yeah. So, but to top things off for today, I go to set up the show. And I find out that my account was suspended because I'd gotten a new debit card and I forgot to update the payment information. So my account was suspended. So I paid. But then I come back in and I see that all our audio clips are gone except for three. Three things. Our uh, outro music. That's the music that we normally play when we, you know, when we're leaving the show. And our long break. And I don't know why the outro music isn't playing. Um, let's see here. Let's see if it'll try it again. Oh, well, there you go. <laughs> so I'm just gonna play it in the. So I'm just gonna play it in the background while I'm talking. So anyway, so that's what's been going on, and uh, it's a crazy week. Um, my mom uh, been keeping up with me on Facebook. My mom took a bad fall last week, and um, it's a. Uh, really affected her mobility and stuff and now she has to take anti-seizure meds and steroids uh, swelling in her brain down until she heals and it's just you know it's, it's uh, and I think the fall just you know exacerbated the fact that she has has brain tumors and probably like just jostled stuff around in such a way that now it's like if she doesn't take these anti-seizure meds she'll have these mini seizures and According to the doc, the MRI that they did, she had a series of mini strokes. However, she can move both arms and both legs. She can still talk. It's just that she's always half awake. Um, and uh, her diet is now pureed food. And it's gonna, it's gonna be, a, it's gonna be a crazy, you know, time here uh, for the for the future because it's kind of like we have to find caregivers. And I got to go back to work. I'm out of money. My cousin's out of money. We we have no money to pay the mortgage for this month, which is ironic. But anyway, so that's been my that's been my week. And then the week before that, I forgot what happened the week before that. It was something else with my mom's care. But anyway, it's almost been a month since we've had a show, hasn't it? Has <laughs> almost, couple, almost, because right? you were, you were moving. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so almost a month. But we are back uh, without our intro music. <laughs> We're back. Um, and it's open mic night. It's open floor here at the dojo. So feel free to give us a call, 347-677-0699. And let's talk shop. Let's talk about anything martial arts related uh we do have just a couple of subjects that we're going to start with but if you want to just call and change the subject that's fine or if you can contribute to the subjects that's fine we're going to be talking a little bit about 
um, old school training and how how it affects um, how you get the students, um, how it affects the, the the liability that you might have or the possibility that uh, you might get a Sue Happy student or a Sue Happy parent. Uh, and we'll talk a little bit about that a little bit later. And we're also going to talk a little bit about music in the dojo. Does it help or hinder training? And uh, special thanks to Guru Rocky Twitchell, who suggested that particular open floor topic. So we're going to talk about that. But if you have any other suggestions that you want to talk about, again, give us a call, 347-677-0699. Or... You can go to the Dynamic Dojo Facebook page and just say, hey, guys, how about you talk about blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Or even if you're a student of the martial arts and you have a question regarding martial arts, uh, give us a call or uh, chat board us underneath the Blog Talk Radio Show Marquee, and we will try to answer your questions as best we can. And if we can't, We'll be we'll we'll be able to at least find someone who could. So <laughs> there we go. So that's been my month. I've been moving. Uh, my mom's health has been you know not so good, and yeah, it, and I still got to tow a car out of the old house. We had a old car sitting there, so I still got to tow that out. But I ran out of money. So what's been going on in your world for the past month? <laughs> Well, no, no, not for the past month. Let's do today. Mm-hmm. By itself. I had the most interesting day today. Well, no, actually, screw day, but I was being nice. I, uh, driving <laughs> I had some, an interesting some very, day, too, but anyway. Some very ahead. nice people. Well, I was I was driving some very nice people around. Okay. Well, then I get called to, to pick up this girl. She's at the top of Pacific Palisades overlooking the ocean uh, with a couple friends of hers that, are driving a Porsche, but she needs to get home. So mm-hmm. she gets in and she says, uh, I said, so you're downgrading from a Porsche to a Prius? And she says, I don't want to talk. I just want to go home. I go, okay, she's a bitch. Okay, so <laughs> I'm driving right now. There's something in Lyft called Lyft Line where means you pick up more than one person. So it's sort of mm-hmm. like carpool. Mm-hmm. So my GPS was not able to find the second person. It, it kept pointing me to the Santa Monica Pier. So I pull into mm-hmm. the pier. This chick says, I'm going to call Uber. Bye. And gets out. What? Okay? Now, <laughs> just like gets out of the car. So I drive around. I still can't find this other person. I pull it back into the pier. This chick gets back in the car. What? And I said, wait a minute. You know, I can't. You know, you got out. You didn't want. And she said, well, I got to get in. This is my ride. So I finally found the other woman. We take her home first. I'm like, God, I wish I would have dropped the other girl off first. So I, <laughs> I dropped this first one off first. Then I dropped this other weird chick off. She's passed out in my back seat. Gone. Okay. And I'm at her house, and I'm going, and I get another call to go get somebody else. Go, ma'am, you got to go. Oh, yeah, whatever. I go, ma'am, you got to go, and you got to go now. She's like, yeah, right. whatever. I, I get poking her because you don't know, especially with a woman. Is she going to wake up violent, or is she going to yeah. tell, tell somebody I, I touched her inappropriately? Yeah, exactly. Don't so I kept, touch her. I, no, I kept poking her in the shoulder. I mean, yeah. poking her. Yeah. I kept poking her in the shoulder, and finally she got out and left. So, my day progresses. 
I, I picked these other two women up one at a time, and then this guy comes running over the car and gets, tries to get in the car. And he says, oh, is this an Uber share ride? And I said, no, not unless you make an appointment. You've got to go. And then he put, he decided he was going to go hands-on. Well, what? He, went, he put in? his hand on No, he put his hand on me. Oh, and no. And I just punched him because I was going to my, – my right hand started to move. Mm-hmm. I said, I've got two pastors with me. Nope, can't do it. And I just gunned it and left. Wow. And that n- never happened ever, and I've been driving for like six months. You know, right? some people are so freaking entitled. I, I, I Didn't I post something on Facebook about the list? About entitlement, you, uh, yeah. Everything? Yeah, the list about everything that you're entitled to. And it's blank. A blank page. And. Yeah. yeah, and it's like some people are just so entitled. No, oh, you gotta, you know, if he knows what a sh- what a what a shared ride is, then he should know that he needs an appointment. How he can't works. just walk in. Yep. And like like you're a cab or something like that, right? And for him to put his exactly. hands on you, you know, I'd get fired from Lyft because I would open that door and slam it on his freaking hand. It's like you don't put <laughs> your hands on me, not in my. I mood. know, and I. <laughs> and I have never done this before, but a couple of weeks ago, three three people get in and they're high or something because one of the one of the girls says she has a weed card, right? Okay. This guy puts his hands on my shoulder from the back, mm-hmm. and I yelled at him. I said, "Don't you ever put your hands on me!" And he started apologizing. You know how drunks are, high people are. They start yeah. apologizing for something they did. Yeah. Uh, so then I'm talking my phone today. I drop my phone and it friggin' shatters. <laughs> I go to get it fixed. Hundred and eighteen dollars to get it fixed. And it's not going to be ready until Tuesday. What? Yep. You put a screen on it. I mean, how much did your phone yep. cost? I mean, hundred like thirty-seven dollars. But okay. I can't upgrade for another two months. Oh, boo! Boo! Yeah, right. Boo! So what service so, do you have? So what? What service? Did, who's your carrier? Metro. Oh, see, okay. And they they Thanks. used to be up until like six months ago. If uh-huh. I, if I went in, bought a phone, I could turn around and buy another one and change yeah, it because yeah. I didn't like it. Now it's yeah. every three months. Can't do it. Yeah. So that uh, was my day. That, that <laughs> my day. Here's my day. Uh, and this is open floor, you guys, so we can talk about anything. This is, but we promise, though, we'll get to martial arts. Um, my day was, I wake up, and I wake up knowing that you know, life is going to change. You know, I'm I'm turning into a caregiver, my cousin and I, and um, you know, and thank God for my cousin. Okay, I I got to send a shout out to my cousin Mila because you know she's already dealt with this kind of elder care type stuff before because of her um, uh, late husband <clears throat> and uh, and her daughter, uh, who was very sickly as a child. And Mila was in and out of the hospital and knows exactly what's going on. And she has uh, a little bit of medical experience. She, she worked as a phlebotomist and also a, a med assistant, I believe. So she knows the process, knows what to look for, knows, you know, how to use half the equipment. It's just that she's not a nurse, right? So, you know, mm-hmm. she she was the person that was, you know, monitoring mom at night uh, because she knew what to look for, you know, at night and, and stuff. And, and um, so that way we could go home and I could do the moving 
you know. I mean, it was just me and, like, two students, you know, and half the time it was just me, you know, moving, you know, little stuff. But it was just like, oh, my gosh, you know, who would have thought that moving by yourself would have cost well, would have cost that much time? But it's a lot It's a lot cheaper than, than hiring movers. So, anyway, back to what I was saying. So I wake up knowing that, you know, you know, the life's going to change here, and it's going to – hopefully it's going to – it's going to, like, uh, change, you know, for the good. And, you know, my cousin and I will, will get used to it. But here's the problem. Um, you know, somebody, a social worker, um, is working on my mom's case to get a day caregiver for her while me and Mila and my other cousin, Servando, are at work. Because we can't afford to take any more time off. I certainly can't. I'm contracted, so I don't get vacation time. I'm contracted at work. So, you know, if I don't show up, I don't get paid. So it's like, you know, so there goes, like, I missed out on, like, $1,500 this past week, and I'm out. I'm I'm out of money. And uh, so I wake up this morning stressed out. You know where you wake up and your heart immediately starts panicking and, 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 and beating fast? And I'm like, this is not a way to wake up you know, stressing no. about money and knowing, okay, well, Mila's got to go to church, you know, how do I give these new meds? And is she going to be able to swallow this whole pill and, you know, and purying food and, you know, this and that and cleaning, you know, cleaning the house and, and unpacking boxes and stuff. Right. And, um, and it actually turned out to not be as stressful as I thought. Um, except for when I burnt popcorn and set off the smoke alarms, and then my mom's like saying like random stuff that didn't make sense, and everything's going on, and there's smoke in the house, and I'm like, oh my god, really? Normally, stuff like that would not bother me, <laughs> you know, with burnt popcorn, I'd be like, oh, okay, whatever, right? But man, who would have thought that burnt popcorn would smell like hellfire? No. Okay, I got a correction to make, however. Those of us or those who do not know you personally and say, oh, she doesn't freak out much then, have never seen you before your first cup of coffee. Exactly. Exactly. Well, you know, I don't really freak out out loud. Haven't you noticed? I just kind of like don't talk. I just don't talk and kind of like grunt and look at you like don't, don't, don't make me think. <laughs> you know, I've got... And Sifu Bob will tell you, folks, I've got this look that said, don't even talk to me. And anything that comes out of my mouth before I, I get coffee is 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 just like, you know, polite, polite. It's like a golf clap. You know what I mean? It's just, yeah, I'm talking because that's what ex- what's expected. Do I want to talk? No. <laughs> and Bob knows. He normally just says, oh, let's go get coffee. And I just go, ugh. And I get in the truck, and we go. <laughs> right. Now, there is a mug that you, I think you put online. I shared or something that I would love to find a, 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 a duplicate of. It's a clear glass it. mug. Oh, oh, oh. Um, and at the top, it's, a, it's filled with coffee, and at the top, it says, shh. Then yeah. in the middle, it says, almost. And then at the bottom, yeah. it says, you can talk now. Yeah, you may speak. <laughs> you may speak. That's yes. what it says. I have a I have another one that says life begins with coffee. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So anyway, all right. So, so 
<laughs> so another so thing, my, day. my daughter, okay. my daughter goes to Chicago, leaves Thursday, mm-hmm. flies to Chicago with her choir to do a uh, a performance competition. So they go right see on. 42nd Street, the musical, on Friday. They all thought it sucked. Last huh. night, I haven't heard from her since. They decide, well, they plan this way ahead of time. They're going on a dinner cruise. I told you about this. Yeah. In the middle of winter, in Chicago, on Lake Michigan. I think they're all nuts. They all now, are, are. They all should be committed. Now, what's that noise? Are you chewing something? No, <laughs> not anymore. <laughs> it sounds like sounds like you were chewing something. I'm like, oh, gross. Okay. Um, it just sounds weird, like in in the headpiece, because it sounds like like that. I was like, oh. Anyway. Um, now, is Lake Michigan, like, actually frozen in the middle of winter? No, I don't think it, it, it's frozen. I mean, I don't, I don't know. It doesn't get quite that cold. Oh, and I, I was going to, I was going to, like, um, vox you back after you said, they're crazy. I said, yeah, they probably are. But if it's a dinner cruise, and no, I don't know if it's the same over there, but here, you know, we do dinner cruises all the time. Or not we, but I've been on many, and um, I know, like, you know, um, the dinner cruises out here are supposed to hug the coast. They're supposed to hug the coast. They can't go out, um, like, to the middle of the Puget Sound. Right, they can't go to the ocean. It's almost like they're on a track. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They have to, like, hug hug the coast uh, so that way anyone on the shoreline can see the boat. Clearly, not like oh look, here's a here's some binoculars. There's the boat. Um, you yeah. know, the Christmas ship or Christmas ship does that. Our dinner cruises do that. Um, all the you know high school senior cruises do that, and um, I think Argosy does that. Argosy boat tours. They hug the coast. Um, but you know, I was gonna vox you back and say that to make you feel better, but still, it's it's. it's it's cold. Oh no! I knew. I was just afraid of the cold. It's still cold. Uh, yeah, it's cold. It's so, cold. <laughs> so a couple things. Now she hasn't been getting a lot of ex- college acceptance letters, but I we know they're coming in because right. she just got one from Johns Hopkins. They let I like ten percent of all their applicants in. That's huge. Now yeah. she called my wife the other night, crying in tears, in happy tears. She got accepted to California State San Diego. Oh. And I'm like, you got accepted to one of the top schools in the country, and then San Diego State. She just had, she said she had just had a real good feeling, and we're going down to San Diego April 9th, Saturday, to uh, take mm-hmm. a a personal tour. I guess to give to the people that have been accepted. Oh, cool! Oh, and another thing, she did not appreciate this, and you'll know why. You know, my best friend Greg Woldridge lives in Chicago. Uh-huh. He was he was Manny Pacquiao's bodyguard for the Mayweather fight. Right. I te- I texted her last week and I said, "Here's Greg's number, take it with you." She's like, "Why? I won't need it. Have it." And she hates me. <laughs> uh, well, I'm a very protective father. Well, you know, here's the thing is that when she does need it, like if somebody's bothering her or something like that, you know, you know what's going to happen is is She's probably going to to you know call Greg up and then and then do the whole like don't tell my dad type of thing, you know. 
Um, of course he will, but it's you know what I mean. It's kind of like you know I mean if she's smart, if she went to you know school over there, if she's smart, she would she would call him if she needed to, you know. And I know she's smart. She's not stupid. She just like hates the fact that you're not letting her be independent. I think I think that's the only thing. But and that's all. She, she would just 20, wants to be independent. And you know, I know people now, all over the country. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, what? Twenty years from now. What? Twenty years. Twenty years from now, she'll figure it out. Well, yeah. Well, you know, we still have that thing between her and I. What she can date when she's 35, or I'm dead. But she still has <laughs> to pick one. <laughs> now, now here's the thing, though. You know, when people, when you know, when parents say that, I have to laugh and go. And how old were you when you started dating and doing the dirty? And they're like, well, 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 well. I'm like, yeah, whatever. So, <laughs> so the first point. time I had sex was to conceive Brandon. How's that? Well, that's fine, but it's kind of like that's not 35. <laughs> <laughs> and that's also a big ass lie. <laughs> yeah right exactly I'm like eh, yeah whatever <laughs> when you said the first time you had sex with the conceived Brandon I was like mm, uh huh right uh, and of course <laughs> that, at that point I'd already been married for nine years yeah yeah and that that would be like me saying that you know I was 25 you know <laughs> and it's like that's a lie yeah. I mean it's like you know, most people these days, it's a lie, you know, but, um, but yeah, it's like, but so San Diego, so does San Diego have what she wants to study? Yes. Oh, well, good. She sent me well, a copy of the, of the email, so she can study it, uh, and she's looking forward to it, and now it's within driving distance, too, it's two hours. And it's warm. And it's warm all the time. <laughs> and it's warm. That's right. All right. So, okay. listeners, what's our phone number here? It's 347-677-0699. It's open floor. We're talking about anything uh, martial arts related, although I know for the past, like, 20 minutes we haven't been talking about anything martial arts related. So, we're gonna, we're going to get to that after we go through our announcements and weird news and stuff like that. So um, it's like March already, and the Masters Hall of Fame yeah. is coming up in June. Um, I'm trying to remember the dates. I'm, I want to say June 4th and the 18th. June 4th and June 18th. I, I think it's. I think it's sick. No, you're right. I think it is fourth. Yeah, it's. Uh, let me let me check here. <laughs> let me double check. Dun, 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 Masters Hall. Of fame dot org. All of the info, everyone. Masters Hall of Fame dot org. So I'm pretty sure it's the fourth and the eighteenth. Um, yeah, the eighteenth is going to be um, in uh, Columbus, Ohio, at the Sheraton Columbus Hotel at Capitol Square, June eighteenth. Um, and then in San Antonio, Texas, June fourth, at oh, what did I, what did I do with it? It disappeared. June 4th at the Hilton San, uh, Hilton San Antonio Airport. Now, the keynote speaker at the Columbus, Ohio um, event. Oops. 
you know, the slider, the slider at the top of the website keeps changing. So. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> oh my gosh, it's kind of like. Eh. But anyway, Sifu Allen Goldberg is going to be the keynote speaker at the Masters Hall of Fame in Ohio. And Hanshi Frank Dukes will be the keynote speaker at the Texas event. So get your tickets now. We actually have two events this year. So, you know, get your tickets to the one um, that you want to go to. I am going to the Texas one. That is where most of my inductees are going to. Um, are you going to be able to make it, Bob? I hope so. we got to be Tweedledee and Tweedledum. You know how that always works. People expect that. I, I do, and <laughs> I, I will try. I just don't know right now with everything that's been happening and everything that's coming up. Right. Right. I mean, I don't know, you know you know, I, I got turned down for that for that job this week, and if I would have gotten that job, I would have said, I will absolutely be there. I'll be making three times as much money, but since I didn't get it, I don't know. Right, right. So we'll see. Well, time to sock away 50 bucks a pop. <laughs> That's tough, I know, but <laughs> I got to sock away, too. I mean, this is, this is, this is tough. Uh, so yeah, that's, uh, um, oh, I said, my, my, my heart started to just like stress out again. I'm like, I haven't paid the studio rent yet. Oh my God. All right. So anyway, so that's, uh, the master's hall of fame, June 4th in San Antonio, Texas and June 18th in Columbus, Ohio. Right on. So if anybody out there has any suggestions for well-deserving masters of the martial arts that you think would be uh great um, inductees into the Masters Hall of Fame, please get a hold of me, Ristita De Jesus, or Sifu Robert Deal. Catch us on Facebook, um, or you can uh, go to the Dynamic Dojo Facebook page and just say, "Hey, you know, this is who I want to I want to uh, suggest." And uh, Bob and I will go through the whole vetting process and stuff like that, and uh, we'll be. The ones personally responsible for uh, for presenting your suggestions um, if they get accepted. Now, here's the thing: to get accepted, you have to be 35 years and older. Okay, that's why it's called the Masters Hall of Fame, not like you know, not like the you know United States Hall of Fame or anything like that. Now, all the other halls of fame. That, you know, will induct people that are under 30. That's great. All the power to them. I love those kinds of, of award ceremonies. But this particular ceremony is for masters, master rank um, or close, that are over 35 years old. Okay? Because, and we're going to be talking about this a little bit later. Because if I meet someone that's 25 years old and they're a seventh degree black belt, I don't have patience for that. And I'm not going to vet anyone into the Masters Hall of Fame who is 25 years old or 20 and is a 7th, 8th, or ninth degree in martial arts. And so help me, if you claim yourself to be a 10th degree and you're under 30, <laughs> you're just going to get a big eye roll from me. So anyway... <laughs> Uh, so 35 years old folks 35 years old we need uh we need their name um and um 
we'll be able to contact you via Facebook or email you to get further contact information so we can contact your your suggested people. All right, that's it for that announcement. Uh, any more announcements on your end there, Sifu Bob? Well, you know, uh, there's not much to announce yet but because I haven't posted yet, but we have Dragon Fest coming up July 9th. Yay! Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know... The weekend of July 9th. Huh. That You know, that actually works out, Bob, because I was actually thinking about coming up that week, coming down that weekend, um, just to celebrate my birthday early. And that, yes, actually that's right. works, that actually works out. So we can do Dragon Fest and go out and have a great dinner and paint the town, you know, for my big five zero birthday. I think it'll be fun. Yes, It'll it be will be. Awesome. Absolutely. So all my friends down there, down in Burbank, L.A., keep your eyes out on my Facebook page as it gets closer to July because I'll, I don't I, I don't know of any good places to eat out there. I'm sure you do because, you know, once uh, – once, uh, I guess I'll have to plan it with you because you know the place. So once we, uh, once we figure something out, let's party. Let's do it. Yay. Yes. All right. Yes. Got to celebrate my 50th, 50th somehow. Okay, so that's... Oh, my God, i I got to bring this up. This is ridiculous. I was just thumbing through. They had a... I was looking up the, the guy... Uh, uh, what was his name? His, uh, the guy who played show now. I didn't know he was dead. I didn't know he died. He died in 08. Oh. Uh, there was a link on there that said uh, celebrities that died, you know, I think it was between 50 and 60, and one of them was like Susan Croft who played the little girl on like uh, Partridge Family. Celebrity that died between 50 and 60 actually has Osama bin Laden. <laughs> He's not a celebrity. I was like, are you freaking kidding me? <laughs> He's not a celebrity. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my gosh. That's, that's hilarious. Well, with that said, I don't have I don't have a health news stinger anymore because somehow all of our audio clips went bye bye. I don't know what the hell happened there. So anyway, here's the health news. Bing. <laughs> all right. Um, this isn't really health news as as it is more like self help news that will or that can help you with your health because it, it'll actually take a little bit of stress um, or a little bit of burden off your back for, you know, with the everyday stuff. And I, I should actually be, you know, um, living by this. But this uh, uh, this particular news comes from the Wisdom Project. Um, and the Wisdom Project is uh, uh, listed on CNN News. Now, the hot new trend, this is a hot new trend, I guess, in Silicon Valley office culture is the Buddhist encouragement of workplace mindfulness. Guided meditation is the new free cafeteria meal. <laughs> really? But, yeah. But David Allen, the author of the international best-selling productivity Bible, Getting Things Done, has been teaching people how to reach higher levels of cognitive thinking for almost two decades. Like Eastern mindfulness, his solution is simple but challenging to fully implement. And I'll, I'll talk a little bit about the, that at the end of this article. Okay. He says, clear your mind. Yep. 
That's all there is to it. If that doesn't raise any follow-up questions, you can stop reading and get to it. But the truth is most people don't know how to clear their mind. Now, this is just my thoughts on this, Bob. A lot of people think that clear their mind means don't think. And that's that in and of itself is incorrect. I, I, I have to, like, call it out because people say, oh, you know, don't think. Just don't think. Well, it's 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 a little more deeper than that and it's not that you don't think but again we'll talk about that a little bit later now buddhism encourages encourages you to focus the breath uh on the breath or a single thought to calm the mad monkey screeching in your skull such practice has been empirically known to strengthen emotional resilience and increase happiness but then the nagging thoughts start to creep in you know the ones not big thoughts, but the mundane, seemingly benign, nagging mental memos. Did I send that email? I need to tell my boss something before the meeting. Was that the idea I had in the morning in the shower? I know I'm forgetting something. You know, stuff like that. Now, Alan says we have to shut that mundane up. Um, <laughs> Alan's route to freeing the mind of its detritus is more practical than one prescribed by most religions. He says the strange paradox is you actually have to use your mind to shut your mind up. Thank you. That's what I was going to say. But not by meditation or mantras. You can't shut it up by trying to shut it off. What you have to do is ask yourself, why is this on my mind? Our brain is a poor and unreliable repository of all the little and big things we try to cram into it. These thoughts clutter our headspace. And these marvelous, convenient, and addictive mobile phones and social networks are making the problem even worse. By living a life of quiet distractions, we are crowding out the deeper and creative thoughts, along with any hope of real quiet. Now, to take out the things that don't belong in your brain, you need a systematic approach, Alan says. His book and its concept, abbreviated among the life hacker, life hackerati, <laughs> as GTD, for getting things done, is a detailed prescription to fix this problem, um, and uh, it's going to be oversimplified here into four steps. So step one, you want to adopt a reliable capture method. That means, you know, anything that you can take a note on that you know will work for you, like Evernote or voice memos, uh, uh, you know, even a small notebook in your pocket. Uh, Write it down and get it out of your head. Uh, voice memos and Evernote personally has done it for me. Every, 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 everything's on Evernote. Our show notes are on Evernote. Everything's on Evernote. <laughs> everything's on Evernote. All right. <clears throat> Number two, you want to distill those thoughts into action items and next steps. So, for example, send receipts to finance. Call a kickoff meeting for the office, office-wide reorg and put that on your daily to-do list. Number three, dedicate yourself to multiple reviews in which you put these action items into the right buckets, such as must be done today, phone calls when I'm on the train, can be done tomorrow, blah, blah, blah. Okay. And number four, you have to do the things on the list when you have time, prioritizing as you go. Now, getting things done, quote unquote, offers many hacks and habit starters to help facilitate this method, but they all come down to one thing, effectively dealing with everything that modern life throws at you in a way that doesn't stress you out or bury you. Now, 
here's a question. Okay. What does a clutter-free mind feel like? Now, um, the author that wrote this, um, read in Getting Things Done, um, uh, that in, uh, wait a minute, did I say that right? No. Uh, the author says, I read, I read Getting Things Done in February and began adopting and adapting it to my life. In the span of four months, I have enjoyed occasional fleeting moments in which I realize I don't really have anything I need to think about. And when that happens, a more creative or big-picture idea often enters to fill that void. I also experience increased focus on a project, such as this column he's writing, when I'm unfettered by mental loops reminding me to act on something else. To be fair, other things didn't work for me. Keeping up with the weekly long-term goal reviews fell off, and I still procrastinate when a task is is emotionally unpleasant. Getting things done as an aspiration is deceptively practical because master it can be personally liberating. Anyway, there's a little more to this article, but um, what I'll do is I'll post it on the Dynamic Dojo Facebook page so everyone can read more about it and uh, and get more information about the book, Getting Things Done. All right, Zen and the Art of Getting Things Done. There you go. There's our Zen for the for the evening. <laughs> Well, All very right. cool, but do, do you know what the nice thing is about notes, though, Rusty, is that you do things in a chronological or typically like, oh, I don't know, whose birthday is it this week? Oh, you know, that, and that's that's why, <laughs> you know, notes would be good. You know, I actually don't look at the notes until we get to health news because everything is set up on my audio board in order. So I look at that and go, oh, it's time for birthdays which I don't have. (laughs) I don't have any audio. It's like three things. (laughs) That's it. And none of them have anything to do with our show except for the break. That's about it. So anyhow, whose birthdays do we have then? We have, I only have two this week. One and we have, well, I happen to know both of them. Uh, Umberto David D. Jesus, his birthday is on. on the 14th. And Master George Kirby, his birthday is on the 17th. And that is it for my birthdays. Right on. Let me see if I have anything here. Um, Oh, come on. Yeah, where's the birthday? <laughs> I'm looking at the birthdays. Uh, nobody today. And let me look at the rest of the calendar here. Oh, Sensei Lori Katzer Bremer, my uh, Butokukan karate sister. Her birthday is tomorrow, the 14th. Yay. Um, an old high school classmate of mine, Steve Scoop. That's what we used to call him in uh, in high school, Brady. His birthday is also tomorrow. And, you know, I'm looking at these, and you know how sometimes on Facebook, you know, it'll have people's ages under there, like turning 48 years old or whatever. I look at that, and I'm like, 48? Holy moly. How old am I? Oh, yeah, that's right. You know? <laughs> All, right. All right. Happy birthday to Michelle Nyree on the 15th. And who else we got here? A former student of mine, Anthony Tran. Wow, he's turning 19. Last time I saw him, I think he was 14. Uh, and uh, Sifu Bruce Fontaine. He was one of the pioneers of Wushu, as it is known in America right now. So Bruce Fontaine, he'll be turning uh, 55. And on the 16th, uh, I've got a friend of mine from Alaska, Joy Fronteras. Her birthday's on Wednesday. 
And on the 17th, an old friend of mine from decades ago, Alicia Clements, her birthday is on Thursday. On Friday the 18th, Nancy Lucero, a uh, fellow Tai Chi instructor here in the Seattle area. And Mindy Stensis, uh, who used to be uh, one of the most supportive juniors kung fu parents there ever was about 15 years ago. And on Saturday the 19th, an old friend of mine from the South St. George fencing school here in Seattle, Stephanie Zimmerman, her birthday is on the 19th. And uh, Luci Bianco, an old student of mine, also on the 19th. So for everyone having a birthday the week of the 14th through the 20th, happy birthday. I wish I could play you a tune, but I can't. I have no audio. <laughs> gone i you know i'm gonna bitch about this one more time i just don't understand where all that audio could have gone i mean does does blog talk radio just take your audio and leave just weird random indiscriminate ones where where did all my audio go right just so weird anyway okay happy birthday everybody Well, that was short and sweet. Now, yeah, I was I was trying to pick out a, a weird news story, and I actually came across one, and I couldn't get it. Have you ever run across those websites where you tried to do a cut and paste, and when you pasted it, all that was there was the was the embedded uh, mm-hmm. information underneath it. It wouldn't it, it wouldn't copy the text, right? Yeah, yeah. So I, I couldn't that. use that one. And that was about somebody finally admitting, and this is from Seattle, and I didn't know Selma Hayek lived in Seattle. Her neighbor okay. shot her dog. What? Yeah, her what? neighbor shot and killed her dog, and he finally admitted it. Oh, my God. So, wait, wait, wait. So, how long has the, 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 the dog been passed? I don't know. I couldn't read the article because it wouldn't cut and paste it. Oh. But it hadn't okay. been long. Hold on, let me let me see here real quick. Um, trying to look up her name. How do you spell her last name again? I have H Y A E K. Let me see here. Mm-hmm. Okay. Oh, it's H uh, A Y E K. S A L. Oh, it's Y A. Okay. Okay. So. Uh. Uh. Okay. Okay. Selma Hayek's dog was accidentally shot and killed. This is from the 29th. So, hmm. And so, okay. So you were gonna, yeah. So you were gonna read that, okay. right? But you, but you can't. Is that what you're saying? Well, no. I did pick another story, but I went to pick that one, and I couldn't. It wouldn't cut and paste. Oh, okay. Well, read your story, and I'll go ahead and read about this one. Okay. Okay. Uh, a a kayaker saves. Now I thought when I saw this, I thought this could be interesting. It said a kayaker saved a skinny dipper who got in trouble this weekend in a swollen Texas river. The unidentified man was found clinging to a tree in the San Jacinto River in Houston on Saturday afternoon. Reports KTRK. He was mm. cold and tired and naked as the day he was born. The Houston Fire <laughs> Department was called to the scene at 2.39 p.m. after receiving reports that the man was floating down the last 
moving, the fast-moving river. Local resident Sharon Hambrick, meanwhile, heard the man shouting for help. She spotted him clinging to a tree behind a, a nearby boathouse. Mm. He just kept saying help, she told the Houston KPRC. We mm. had a short conversation for 20 minutes, and we would get quiet, and, and, it made me, and, and it would get quiet, and it made me nervous, I thought. Oh, please, don't let him drown. Hambrick mm. pointed the man out to a uh, Hambrick pointed the man out to a kayaker, Denise Flores, who happened to be paddling in the water nearby. Flores went over to the man and told him to jump in her kayak. I said, "If you knew, if, if you want help, you're going to have to jump out <clears throat> of that tree." Flores told KGRK, "Get in the boat, and I'll take you back." The man mm. took her advice and leaped into her kayak. She ferried him over to the fire department rescue boat, and crews took him to Kingwood Hospital for observation reports, KHOU. His, his wow. current condition is not known. Houston police are investigating the incident to determine how the man came to be in the water. Flores played down the incident, saying she doesn't feel like a hero, no, I really don't," she said. "I, he is a human being. So good wow. for her. She went and saved some guy from 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 drowning a blue ball. <laughs> 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 oh my god! Oh my god! Where? <laughs> Jesus. Okay. God. Wow. Okay. I. Wow. You know. Wow. You, you know what's so weird? Even though my filter's gone right now. I still say some some stuff that surprised me. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Wow, wow. Okay. Uh, so, okay. There's the eye roll from my read, wife. Let me let me read, let me read a little bit of about Sama Hayek's dog. Now, Sama Hayek doesn't actually live in Seattle proper. She lives in Yelm. And that's like, you know, way outside of here. It's like 70 miles south of of Seattle. Well, actually, from me, it's more like 40 uh, where I live. But anyway, um, Kim Lund, the actress's neighbor, told the Associated Press that her husband was trying to scare away some dogs that were involved in a dog fight and didn't intend to kill a dog. We didn't even know we hit the dog, she said Monday, adding that her husband held up the pellet gun and shot it to scare the dogs away. Now, this particular story is from uh, the 29th of February, by the way. She said one of the dogs was on top of her dog at the time and there's a and there's a picture of Salma's dog just a beautiful shepherd mix tan shepherd mix okay Zeisimer said Monday that a neighbor told a deputy he was inside his house when he heard what sounded like a dog fight in his garage the neighbor said he fired one shot from an air rifle and the other two dogs ran off Lund said she and her husband were inside their home watching TV when they heard a ruckus in their garage. She said Hayek's dogs often come over to her property and chase her dogs. I'm still coming to terms with all of this, as you can imagine, Lund said. We didn't even know we killed a dog. To find out we killed a dog that belonged to a high-profile person, I'm in shock. Hayek posted on, Insta on Instagram Friday that she was mourning the death of her 9-year-old dog named Mozart and hoped authorities would find justice. The 49-year-old actress, who was nominated for an award for an Academy Award for her starring role in the 2002 film *Frida*, 
said her dog was a loving and loyal companion and didn't deserve to die a slow and painful death. A veterinarian later determined a lead pellet nicked an artery and caused the dog a Belgian Malinois. Oh, it's a Belgian Belgian Malin, Malinois, I guess, to internally bleed out. The, a caretaker was watching Hayek's dogs on the property at the time. The caretaker told deputies she went for a horseback ride with a few dogs. At the end of the road, the dogs took off running toward the sound of other dogs at an adjacent property. Later, the caretaker realized one of the dogs had not returned. She searched and found him dead on a trail. Lund, who has five dogs of her own and other animals, said she was heartbroken that the actress's dog had died. My heart is broken. I'm really sorry the dog died. The deputy determined that it was justified under Washington state law since the dog had been inside the garage and was harassing their animals. A message left with high publicist was not... That's a lot of noise, man. A message left with Hayek's publicist was not immediately returned. So that's that's that. <laughs> wow. I know, right? Man. Man, oh, man. <clears throat> well, there was something interesting you said. Nobody should look like that and be 39 years old. Not 49. 49. 49. Yeah. Yes. 49. You know, and should not I, have that body. You know, only only you would think about something like that. You know. <laughs> oh yeah, and every other male that walks on the planet. Well, yeah, exactly. You know, I was just thinking, man, I hope I don't got wrinkles. Like, she, I, I hope I don't end up with wrinkles. You know, <laughs> but you know, I'm. Yeah. But see, she's not even like showing any gray. I think she. I nope. think she dies it. I think she dies it. Oh, I. Ah, uh, yeah. Yeah. I think so. I mean, come on, really? You know? <laughs> now, I, I, on, on an off note, my dad didn't have to dye his hair until after he was in his sixties. His hair was jet wow, black that, when he was like wow, in his fifties. You didn't get jet that gene? No, I didn't get that gene. I got my mom. <laughs> I got my mom's gene. I started graying like at forty, forty. <laughs> Yeah, now, 40, like, 40, wow, you're old. 40, yeah, I started graying at 40. Well, this, you know, I wasn't expecting to start graying until like now, you know. <laughs> but I started graying at 40, but it was like still hidden underneath underneath the black hair on top. But now it's all over the place, you know. And, you know, I, I actually get this, wow, do you do you color your hair that way? I'm like, no, it's, it's real gray hair. Wow, that's kind of cool. And I'm like, well, okay, if you say so. <laughs> yeah, and you're like, oh no, it's not. No, it's not. well, you know, I don't know. I mean, if it were streaks, I'd, I'd have a problem with it. But it's salt and pepper because, like, when my dad started graying, he was salt and pepper. My mom, on the other hand, was streak. She had this like Bride of Frankenstein streak right down her. I was going to say, if it's streak, you'd look like Bride of Frankenstein. Yeah, yeah, she had it right down the middle, and she started dyeing it. And you know, when I started graying, I uh, the last time I dyed my hair. It just turned orange, the the gray parts. So I said, screw it. The the dye isn't going to take on the gray hair. So um, I'm just leaving it. I'm just going to say I'm just going to go gray. That's fine. That's fine with me. Okay. So that was inter- That was weird news. Okay. And uh, wait, did we do entertainment news? Not yet. Not yet. Okay, you're going to love. Have- you're going to love this. 
You you okay. know who Freddie Roach is, right? Freddie Roach. Hold on. He was boxing coach, trained. Uh, okay, yes, yes, now uh, I know. Yeah, I'm like, well, trained well, Pacquiao. I, yeah, I had to figure out like the the for some reason I kept thinking Hell Roach. That's the uh, that's the little rascal. That's sorry. Director. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. God, yeah. you. <laughs> yeah, nothing like showing our age. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, what about Freddie? You know, which is weird because Hal Roach's stuff was 30 to 40 years before we were born. Yeah. And we still watched it as kids, right? Mm-hmm. I loved it. I okay, loved it. Here, here's the entertainment news. came from TMZ. It says, Justin Bieber is a girl who is not worthy of Freddie Roach's tutelage. So says the Manny Pacquiao's famed trainer. Mm-hmm. We got Freddie at LAX Saturday, and he clearly harbors a grudge that the Beavs was squarely in Floyd Mayweather's corner during last year's fight. You've got to think he's pissed off Ronda, Holly, and Misha, right? So mm-hmm. I, I guess Justin Bieber has gone to him for training. Mm-hmm. And he said, no way. I mean, the, the guy is a master. I mean, yeah, he's he's training some of the best in the world. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, and that is my entertainment news. Right on. Very cool. All right. Well, uh, we do have a break coming. It is. I have a feeling one of us has just dropped the line. It's either Ben Ristita or me. <laughs> and I'm not sure which at this point. So I will ramble. There could be a problem. Wow, I don't like that at all. Uh, and Ristita has dropped. Well, at this time, we are going to take a break, and we will be back in three minutes and 48 seconds. If you own a gun, you have a full-time responsibility. When you aren't using it, be sure it can't get into the hands of curious children, troubled teenagers, a thief, or anyone else who might misuse it. Your family, friends, and neighbors are all counting on you. Remember, always lock it up. For more information on firearm storage safety, visit ncpc.org. This message brought to you by the National Crime Prevention Council, the Bureau of Justice Assistance, and the Ad Council. Dear parents, Much of what we learn in this world comes directly from you. Whatever your message is, it will become part of us forever. Please teach us to accept one another. Teach us to respect one another. Please, do not fill our minds with hatred. Do not expose us to bigotry. Do not teach us to judge each other by race, religion, orientation, or the color of our skin. Teach us the concept of tolerance. Teach us to understand one another. Teach us to accept people of different cultures and persons with different beliefs than yours. Please help us to create a world where every man, woman, and child is treated equally. Dear parents, please don't teach us words of hate. We learn from you every moment. If you use certain words which might be hurtful to others, we will repeat that word. Please don't show us acts of hate. If you act against people of different faiths, we will repeat your actions. Dear parents, we are your children. And we are relying on you to help us create a world where every person is tolerant of one another. Inside this little Burbank building, this is the first 
museum in the world dedicated to martial arts. It, it really reflects on the style and the, the philosophy of each and every different culture. White eyebrow kung fu, monkey kung fu, the animal styles, Shaolin. Talking about the ninja here. Japan had the samurai. Here we go into our Korean section. In fact, every corner of Asia and the Pacific has its own martial art. It'll be an absolute shame if one day you ask a kid and he doesn't know who Bruce Lee is. From the history of the Japanese samurai to the artistry of anime, Enjoy a look into Asian culture by visiting the Martial Arts History Museum in Burbank. Hi, this is Frank Duke. This is T.J. Douglas Wong. Hi, this is Kumu Lua, Michelle Manu, and you're listening to Rosita and Bob on the Dynamic Dojo Radio Show. The only place to be to get the real scoop on the real things that are going on in the martial arts world. Do you have an idea for a guest? or a topic that you'd like to hear on the Dynamic Dojo Talk radio show? If you do, you can email your suggestions and ideas to dynamicdojoradiohost at gmail.com or you can also post it on the Dynamic Dojo Facebook page. You're listening to the Dynamic Dojo Show with Restita and Robert, your source for martial arts talk radio. Well, welcome back to the show. You're live on the air with Dynamic Dojo. Ristina is having problems logging in right now because uh, they're having a windstorm in Seattle that's knocked out most power. Now, I'm going to be taking a caller that might be my lifesaver here. here. So uh, let me take this call. Area code 919. You are live on the air with Dynamic Dojo. Who's this? Good evening. This is Danny Venna. Sensei, how are you? I'm doing great. How are you doing, pal? I'm do- I'm doing well. We are on- oh, Rustina made it back on, Sensei. We've got Daniel Vena on uh, with us, Rusty. Oh, I guess oh, you got terminal. There you are. Can you hear me? Oh, I yes. can. Okay. Man, the, you know, there's a storm blowing through. I mean, we've got like 45, 50 mile an hour winds going over here. And I think what had happened was it, it like, it took off the power for just a second, but not enough to like kill everything. And it just reset oh my, my modem. Yeah. So, oh my gosh. And when I came back in, I, I heard that uh, Sensei Danny Venna was on the line. How you doing? I'm doing great, Sensei. How you doing? I'm I'm hanging in there. I'm hanging <laughs> I'm hanging in there Please, trying to be like safe, man. Yeah, I know, right? It's like wow. Well it was funny when I uh when I first got here to the to the studio, um, there was no power. I turned on all the lights and I'm like, How come nothing's going on? Everything was dark. The whole block was dark. And I'm like, shoot, I'm gonna have to do the show in my car and oh. uh but then the power came on, and I'm like, oh, cool. I've got, like, 15 minutes. But then, of course, my computer was was all, you know, trying to restart and update and all this other kind of junk. And I'm like, well, whatever. So, But here we are. Thanks for calling. Thanks for joining us I, on Open Floor. Yeah, so you have an Open Floor, you know, dojo uh, discussion. So yeah. I wanted to call in. I wanted to be part of the show tonight. 
right on. Very cool. Well, yeah, that's very cool. So, you know, we we actually have a couple of subjects that we wanted to just kind of throw out there um, in case people didn't call in, but you had called in. But we kind of want to throw it out there anyway because we want to get your take on it. Um, the One of the subjects that we wanted to address was old school training, right, the, like shugyo kind of training. And why is it that some schools shy away from – you know, activities or drills or exercises at their dojos or at their kuns that may involve contact um, or may run the risk of some some little type of injury. And is it because they are they are afraid of lawsuits? So that's kind of what um, what we want to discuss because this morning I saw this very wonderful post by Sifu Pete Starr. And he was uh, talking um, about about that very that very same thing about you know the old school um, type of training and why um, you know some schools uh, why he thinks that some schools you know shy away from it and it, it was a great discussion and it, it, it kind of boiled down to um, some people saying that it was it's because that we live in a Sioux happy society. And, you know, especially parents that are like, you know, the, the hel- helicopter parents that are overprotective of, of their kids. And gosh forbid he got a bruise during sparring class. We're going to sue you for negligence. I mean, you know, what, what's your guys' take on that? I mean, I personally come from an old school background in Butokukan Karate. We didn't have the headgear. We didn't wear the mouthpieces. We didn't wear fist gear or foot gear or whatever. If we broke something, it was because we did something wrong or it was an accident. No harm, no foul. Um, Nobody sued anybody back in the day. But now, you know, people are not afraid to try to slap a lawsuit on your dojo the second they or their kids get, you know, get hurt or whatever. So I kind of want to get your guys' take on that. So um, what do you what do you think about that, Hanchi? Uh, as you know, I am an old school practitioner, uh, 43 years in the business. Uh, when I uh, came up, the training was very, very um, rigorous. Um, the Marine Corps is the um, reason why the curriculum landed on our shores. Oh, and by the way, Ishinru is 60 years old uh, this year, 2016. Wow. Yay! Birthday, Ishinru. Happy birthday. So uh, January 15th, uh, 1956 is our birth date. Uh, So the Marines are responsible for bringing the curriculum home. Therefore, the training um, goes, you know, uh, all, you know, Marines. I mean, these people... Uh, trained uh, with their heart, their soul, their their their, their every fiber. Uh, mm-hmm. So banging around was certainly something that um, you know, just like you said, uh, uh, no harm, no foul. Um, mm-hmm. However, in 2016, uh, knowing that Ishiru is 60 years old and we want to continue to grow the style, we have to conform. Um, it, it is just the way it is. However. I have a home dojo, as you know, uh, Sifu, and um, I train on concrete. Mm-hmm. And uh, you make a mistake here, you get hurt. No question exactly. about it. We don't use pads. We don't use mouthpieces. We don't use headgear. Um, mm-hmm. You come with your tools, and you learn how to be a craftsman. 
Mm-hmm. Um, we we pride ourselves in no injuries now, no uh, um, serious injuries. Yes, we get black and blues here, but mm-hmm. uh, to work on concrete now for for all this time and and have the uh, type of training uh, that that we practice here, uh, the parents understand that uh, injury may happen, but uh, if you use um, uh, what what they taught us, speed, balance, and focus, mm-hmm. you will um, you will eventually learn uh, to be careful uh, when you fight. Um, fighting is not a I don't have a book that says, you're going to do this, I'm going to do this. Uh, mm-hmm. But what, what we do have is we have the essence. And I think right. that's, what, that's what you're asking here. All mm-hmm. the school training and then the, the second topic, music in the dojo or mm-hmm. in your school. Um, music serves a purpose uh, way beyond what words can speak. So, mm-hmm. having said that, when you want to reach people, you want to be a communicator, music definitely helps. No question about that. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, it, it, it opens up um, uh, three things. It opens up the mind, because the ears are listening to that music. Whether they hear it or not, it's there. Mm-hmm. So, it, it becomes part of the essence of the lesson. Right. Uh, the next thing that it does is it soothes. It, it, it sort of, especially if you're playing uh, some of the music that you played um, in your break, uh, it soothes, okay? And then the mm-hmm. third thing that it does, it can set the tempo. Sort exactly. of if you're playing something with a beat and you're trying to get your students to move, um, you know, quickly uh, so that they're not tripping over their own feet. Music helps. Mm-hmm. I wanted to say something about that. Um, right. Uh, as for liability, lawsuits, may I address that and say, mm-hmm. when you have your meeting with the students and their parents, they come to my home, and we are going to settle on dates that they're going to come for lessons. They, mm-hmm. They've already been through a month's worth of um, parents, you know, uh, watch the class, children participate in the class, and then they make their decision. Uh, so they know that... Um, when it's inclement weather, of course, we come indoors. So mm-hmm. they see space that they have to work out indoors. Uh, outside, of course, they see that we work on the driveway. So the parents mm-hmm. are well aware that injury can happen at any time. Now, mm-hmm. how do you address that? I don't want my child to go to karate class and get injured. For sure. Right. No question about that. I have four mm-hmm. children. I want them to practice and practice safely. So exactly. how do you achieve, what, what are the means and methods that you use to achieve that level of safety, especially when you're working with weapons? Right, right. Oh, are you, are you talking to us, or is that a question in general for people? That, that is a question in general that, you know, put right. that out. Let, let everybody hear that. How do you operate a school safely right. and not mm-hmm. get sued? Exactly. Now, you and know, uh, a, keep in mind... Good. Uh, we don't wear pads, so when there is a clash, uh, there's probably a black and blue as a result of that. Mm-hmm. Now, we mm-hmm. try to minimize that, but when you're going at um, your pace, it's not easy, as you know. Right. So how do you balance it? Let's talk those are about good. That. Yeah, those are great questions because, you know, it's one thing if, 
you know, some instructor gives their, you know, gives a class of white belt of white belts like a bunch of nunchaku and say, okay, here you go, you know, do this. And and really doesn't spend enough time on the basics with maybe a a, a trainer, uh, you know, set of nunchaku or whatever, you know, or or give them like a comma and say, oh here, try this, you know, yeah, you know, let's spin it from the from the from the rope if they're you know if they want to use kusari gama or whatever, you know, and not give them a trainer. It's one thing in that case because I would call that negligence. If you're gonna give you know, a bunch of newbies like weapons and you don't teach them basics first and you don't see that they're versed in the basics before you give them a weapon to train with. And I would call that negligence. Um, <laughs> say, <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, but, you know, like you said, you know, if if you are, if someone's running their school safely and, you know, with the premise of, you know, teaching the art for what it is, you know, like, for example, like, you know, uh, when I came through Kajikambo, we were primarily self-defense. Yes, we did forms, but we were primarily self-defense. We trained on concrete. We trained with shoes on, no bare feet, you know, barely any, you know, headgear, you know, mouthpieces or whatever, none of that. Um, and we learned to hit full power and still know where our distance was. Um, because we had to start slowly, and we and we had to work with every student, uh, every partner that we worked with a little bit differently. We would have to like you know verbally say, hey, you know what kind of contact can you can you take? What do you want? This is what I can take. Don't hit me harder than this, you know. And we slowly built up our tolerance for pain together, not like here I hit you the hardest I won. That's an awesome point because. Uh, the parents should know that if they're listening, that um, things like that, uh, that kind of camaraderie that exists in the school uh, is so important because uh, it not only serves in the school, but it serves outside the school as well. Um, and I just think that that's a very wholesome quality. That's one of the reasons why we ask people to come and visit uh, martial arts classes because these are t some of the things that you will get when you send your child to the school. I just think that's awesome. Absolutely. Now we we did lose lose Rusty again, Sensei. Uh, how do you deal though? Because you're you're going to have even a backyard dojo. You're going to have unruly parents because that's how they're trained now. They weren't like we were when when we got got hit, our fathers picked us up and said, suck it up, go, and kick kick our butts back in the ring. How do you deal with unruly parents in a backyard dojo? One of the things, uh, uh, one of the techniques that I learned from my sensei is that interview, asking questions. When I sit them down in my uh, dining room, at the dining room table, and there's um, uh, the student handbook out, and they understand that um, the waza that they'll be practicing is very dangerous. Injury, um, I won't do any kind of joint manipulation with youngsters, um, but uh, they, they do have to learn how to roll, and sometimes, you know, you get a little banged around until you learn. So how I deal with that is during the interview, I ask questions, and then it is up to me as to whether or not I want to deal with that unruly parent. Because I do know 
being in a backyard dojo, um, there are risks, uh, real risks, and you have to be very, very selective as to how you deploy those risks. Otherwise, you will suffer the consequences, no question about it. Um, as you said, in a society that is uh, happy to put a lawsuit on you, <laughs> it makes <laughs> yeah. things. Um, it makes the playing field uh, very stringent now, because um, you know, uh, with the children's class, it's easy for me because um, uh, the curriculum is simple. But as the uh, children grow and get a little older, the curriculum gets a little more serious now. So injury does go up. And, of course, students, um, you know, when they have their heart and soul in it, um, they may go to the parents and say, look, you know, um, um, let's not do anything here. It was um, something that happened. And you would only hope that that, uh, that would be in your favor. If not, then you will get the lawsuit. So how you deal with it, to answer your question, is be very, very careful with the um, students that you sign up because um, it's not about the money. It's about the curriculum. So um, if you do carry insurance, uh, such as I do here, I charge $12 a month. That's what the insurance policy costs, so I charge $12. Just in case somebody does get hurt here. I have to carry the liability insurance because I do teach martial arts in a residence. So to be safe, uh, that is one of the um, things that I like to throw out there. The insurance is not expensive, uh, but you should have it just in case. Oh, absolutely. Now, uh, do, do you have another job, Sensei, other than teaching, or is this your main source of income? I do have another job, yes. Um, I am a uh, what they call a construction inspector, and I work for architects and engineers. Oh, okay. I see. When I was a construction inspector for LA Unified, I was the architects and engineers' enemy because <laughs> they always screwed up. But anyway, okay. So you have another job now. What? Do you, any advice? Because not every school can operate as a an inter, as an interview process because this may be their only sole income. You have something to fall back on where you can you can afford to pick and choose. What if they can't afford that luxury? Then it is up to the um, uh, representation of the school. What I mean by that is, uh, if you are a business and um, uh, you are legal and you pay taxes. Uh, you must have then legal representation, and the attorneys will contour the rules based on the location of where you teach and the configuration. In other words, do you own the building or do you rent the building? That matters. Because if somebody gets hurt, the owner may be liable. So uh, I would leave that up to the legal representation of the school because they're the professionals. Don't cheat on that. Go to an attorney, have the papers drawn up so that the parents understand that when you sign this document, uh, it's not a contract, but it is a uh, waiver of liability. (coughs) That is important. Right. Get a waiver of liability so that um, the attorneys will draw up the papers and the the, uh, parents will have to agree to if there is an injury. Uh, yes, we do carry insurance so that there will be some uh, way of 
recovering some costs for the injury. However, um, it, it, I would also advise then uh, to have the parents, uh, if it is that much of an um, issue, to look into insuring their child as well. This way, there's no ambiguity now. There is insurance coverage should an injury happen. Always prepare for that because I hope it never happens. But if it does, that there should be some way to protect the child. And I'm not talking about the money now. I'm talking about the injury. If the child gets hurt and you want to do the right thing, uh, it's not about making money now and suing the school. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying to uh, protect the child. That's the, that's the issue in my mind. Very good. Well, we have Rosie back. Wow. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> my Internet is completely down, even though, uh, even though my Wi-Fi says that I have access. So I don't know. It must be something funky with the storm coming through. I mean, it's like it's been coming in waves, these these big, you know, wind gusts and stuff like that. And there's like trees everywhere. And we'll see what happens when I get done with the show. <laughs> So I, you know, I I think uh, you know I'm I'm glad that we're still talking about um, you know about this uh, about the safety of people uh, training in a dojo that not all dojos are frivolous and and uh, you know are, are going to be negligent or whatever. Um, but uh, did the what did I miss? I I I left uh, I think I left off talking about kids and uh, Hanshi Vena. Uh, just got done talking about keeping children safe, correct? Correct. Okay. Because we were Great. talking about uh, the the gist of my question was, you know, you have a second job, you know, and you interviewed, you have a uh, a luxury of being able to turn away students if he thinks they're maybe in, uh, problematic, uh, who's too happy and so forth. But yeah. what about the people who don't have that luxury that it's their only sole, sole source of income? Right, right. Yeah, and and that's a that's a tough question because you know like uh, in in my case it, it was like that for a while, there was like a ten, fifteen year span where that was the only thing I did, um, was you know try to keep the doors open by taking students, and uh, in you know during that time before I started working um, again, um, we'd only dealt with probably just one. One instance where someone had made it obvious that they were probably, you know, going to sue if something happened to their kid. And uh, this is kind of a funny story. This guy comes in with his kid and says he wants his kid to learn self-defense. And I said, well, you know, this is what we do. Our art is primarily based around self-defense, although we do teach forms, the Kung Fu side. We teach the Kung Fu side and the street self-defense side. And um, I gave him the, you know, the usual waiver that we, you know, have people sign, you know, that says, you know, I'm, you know, I, I hold, you know, Seattle One Hop Kendo Academy, you know, not liable for any blah, 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 you know, especially if the, um, you know, if the instructors observe all safety rules and, you know, I'm not liable if my child does not listen to the safety rules or refuses to listen to safety rules and refuses to listen to instructions and stuff like that. And he 
asked to make changes to the waiver. And I said, and basically these were changes that would make me liable in the event that he got hurt. And I said, uh, I'll just call him Mr. Smith. And I said, um, Mr. Smith, you want your child to learn self-defense, right? And he's like, well, yeah, but I want him to learn it safely. And I said, so basically you're asking me not to, not to have him make any contact whatsoever. So if he wants to learn how to defend against a grab, his partner will have to grab air because you are not authorizing his partner to make contact with his gi lapels. And two, you know, if someone wants to grab his wrist, you're saying that they're not allowed to make any contact with your son. I cannot teach your child self-defense without some kind of contact. There is no such thing as people punching in the air to hit you. And I had to literally school this man into knowing, you want, to, you want your child to learn self-defense, but you don't want anyone to touch him? You know, and I told him, if anything, I don't want him to get a false sense of security learning all these kung fu moves and stuff against people that don't attack him. And then, God forbid, if a bully does punch him, he's not going to have the experience or the wherewithal to deal with it. And he, he stood by his claims. I'm like, well, I'll take that chance. And I'm like, well, then your child will not be able to defend himself, period. And I said, you know, then he's going to have to be, you know, sectioned off from the rest of the class when it comes to self-defense. Well, that's fine. And and I said, I suggest that you watch every class for the next three weeks. And he said he could. So what had happened was whenever we would do warm-ups and forms, you know, we would all practice together. But then it was time for self-defense. I'd have people pair up, and he would just be off off to the side with another instructor just doing doing the same movements in the air. Nobody attacking him, just doing the same movements in the air like he was learning another kata. <clears throat> and then after about a couple of weeks, the father came up to me and goes, well, why isn't he learning to do it against other people? I said, you're the one that didn't want contact. So he's going to have to do it in the air. He's like, but how is he going to learn self-defense? And I, and I told him, well, that's what I asked you a couple of weeks ago, but you refused to sign this waiver unless I changed it. And I changed it. Would you like to change it? And he's like, uh, I'd like to change it back to the original. <laughs> and I'm like, okay. <laughs> All right. You know, and, I, and he grew up. He was with me for like seven, eight years, and he grew up to be a black belt when he got in his late teens. And he grew up to hit hard, and he grew up to be able to take a hit and roll it off the back, roll it off his back like, oh, that was nothing, you know. And I, you know, and I remember when he got his black belt, I turned to his father and I said, "Wow, he he he's doing really well." And he goes, "Wow, he he's able to take a lot more than I thought." And I said, "That's what I tried to tell you like eight years ago." And he kind of like sheepishly grinned and goes, "You know, I guess I." I guess I was just kind of putting my own fears on my son. And I said, that's exactly what you did. <laughs> so, but, you know, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's one thing if a, if a studio, you know, sets the priority for safety. Wouldn't you guys agree? Um, and yes. if an accident happens, then it's got to be documented by all staff on hand. Um, you know, uh, separately, of course, we don't want, you know, the, the way I do it here is if it, something happens, I have all the black belts after class go in separate places and write what they saw. 
so that way no one can can like influence anybody else, right? And then I look at all the notes, and if everything's like hunky dory, then then I you know I keep it in the student's file, and and you know ninety nine percent of the time people just go it it was my fault. I mean the other you know the other you know one percent people go hmm well. Uh, maybe you shouldn't have done that drill. But, you know, that was just one person that said, maybe you shouldn't have taught that drill. I'm like, really? You know, a student telling me what to teach. I'm okay. So I just kind of went, all right, whatever. Um, but, you know, at, I, you know, I would say that, you know, if a child, in this case, if a child gets hurt, you know, parents need to understand that, you know, Accidents happen, and these are the same parents that will let their children play football, but not that don't want right. the kids getting hurt in martial arts, right? Yeah. Oh, my child plays rugby. My child plays like lacrosse. Okay, lacrosse really? You can get hit by a hundred and fifty mile an hour ball, you know? <laughs> and, and and you don't want your kid doing three-step sparring drills. Okay, whatever. So, uh, now that now that's parents. Now, what about adults? Let's go to adults here. You know, has has any uh, has any of you guys dealt with uh with adults that threatened to 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 sue uh a school that you were in or uh anything like that for injuries that they thought might have been um a dojo's fault? Never. 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 Okay, good. You know, you know, but part of me thinks that adults get it. Um, well, most adults, mo- most adults get it. You know that hey, I'm going into a martial arts class. That there's got to be contact and accidents happen. I'll walk into a kick or I'll walk into somebody's fist. No harm, no foul. That's my fault. I need to block better, right? Um, but you know, there's always that one percent that that will get all uppity the second they get a they get a uh, like a like a bruise or something and if it's not blaming you they're blaming someone else in the class so they but they're still indirectly blaming you you know like well you should have taught that guy control or you know stuff like that right and it's like oh my gosh really you know, if someone's an adult and they expect no contact and want to learn, you know, MMA, let's let's just say hypothetically somebody wants to learn MMA and not make contact and they you're want out of your mind. Yeah, I know. You're out of your mind if you want to get into the ring. You got to make contact. You got to learn to take a hit. And what are you going to do? Go crying to your coach and, oh, you know, Billy hit me. Well, yeah. Yeah, duh. <laughs> Come on, duh. Oh, he snapped my ankle. Well, you know, maybe you shouldn't have fought it out of it like you did. You know, I mean, there is such a thing as operator error. But you know, yeah, I, I want to make it sound to everyone listening that I'm blaming the person that got hurt. That's not it at all. Uh, instead, what I'm addressing is, you know, the sue happy people, the people that actually look for reasons to sue a company. Whether it's like, you know, the McDonald's hot coffee thing. McDonald's should have known how hot their coffee was and it spilled in my lap. They, you know, they don't have lids that stay on. And it's kind of like, really? You know, and that went through. Didn't McDonald's have to pay that lady that spilled coffee in her lap? Like millions of dollars yeah. or something? 
Yep. It's outrageous. And, you know, for a company as big as McDonald's that can afford that, to prevent any bad juju or bad press or whatever, that's all very well and good. But, you know, we're talking about studios here that, you know, run out of garages, right? That run out of small buildings, small business owners, you know, uh, we can't afford that. So, you know, do, do you guys think that it is probably just a 1% of so happy people that makes some dojos stay away from, you know, dangerous "quote unquote" drills. Yes. Yeah, yes, it's absolutely. it's sad. It's sad, isn't it? I mean, it it's um, it is because you know, if it, if there's anything that the martial all my martial arts teachers taught me, especially Professor Faircloth, he said he said to me that martial arts only works off of committed attacks. You know, it's you know all the you know all the fancy dancy stuff like Aikido and stuff, judo and kung fu and stuff, it's not going to work unless someone commits. If someone fake attacks you and you deal with that fake energy, you're you're learning absolutely nothing. And you know, that sticks with me that it only works off of a committed attack. And is there a way, you know, to learn committedness and and be safe? Of course there is. We all we all three know that there are ways to train that, and, and I'm sure we all know hundreds of drills to teach that. But, you know, it, it, it pains me to hear that, that some schools out there are are basically not watering down but cutting away parts of their original art um, to to cater to these, you know, so happy people. It's It's just so said and what you know and what do we do i mean do we interview people and say oh you seem like a sweet happy person i can't take you i mean <laughs> that's a bit ridiculous also <laughs> you know I mean, maybe i should you know should we put something on our you know on our pre-membership applications that say you know are you going to be you like i know really are you going to be you know are you going to sue us if your kid trips on the carpet yeah. yeah. <laughs> Those are things, oh. uh, these God, are things that you have to you have to consider uh, when you deal with the public. Um, mm-hmm. uh, my wife's been a server for many years, and uh, dealing with the public is not easy. No, it's not. Yeah, yeah. I worked in food service for quite a while, and it's not. I mean, everything is your fault. Yes. If, if you're in food service, right? You know, my food's cold. Well, okay, that's our fault. You know, this pizza wasn't like cut in enough slices. Well, that's nobody's fault. You know, and <laughs> and it's it's tough. It's tough when the buyer, when the customer, is right. It, when the customer thinks they're right. There we go. Um, <laughs> it's 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 it. Well, it's tough. You know, I mean, there, I still know a lot of people that. That um that believe in the customer is always right, um, but I've I've been to you know I've been to stores with people that think that I've been to restaurants with people that think that they can ask for like unrealistic things and when the the restaurant can't deliver, they'll you know you know I'd like to speak with the manager or you know is there a comment card a survey card and then they'll like just talk smack about the server and the restaurant because they couldn't get you know, their Uber customized meal, you know, and it's like, oh, come on, you know. But, oh, oh, dude, but Rosie, that is so me. 
I embarrassed <laughs> I, my family walked out 10 feet in front of me of a restaurant because I embarrassed the hell out of them because the server served me the wrong size beer. I didn't know any better. And I mm-hmm. said, what's this chart? He said, well, for this size beer. And I said, I didn't order that size. I ordered this size, which is like a dollar less. She says, but you drank it. And I said, give me the manager right now. If you charge me, I want to see the manager. I am, and my, my family was mortified. <laughs> Well, in a situation like that, I would be too because you drank it. That's a tough one, man. Me personally, I if I was on shift, if I was on shift, I would I probably would have just said, "Pardon my French," you know, "eff it," and just left it and ate it. But the thing was, is that I'm. A, uh, but then afterwards, I talked to all my other managers and go, "That guy knew. <laughs> that guy knew he was drinking it." You know? No, I didn't. I really did. I did not know the sizes, so kiss my ass, Rusty. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I'm just saying that's what I would have said, and that's right, you know that's course. what you know any manager would have thought. Well, you drank it, you know, um, but you know, and 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 I guess in, also in a situation like that, and this is off the subject. I guess in a situation like that, to to get all pissy and go, give me a manager right now. That would put the manager on defense and that much more in tune with defending their side rather than yours. So, you know, sorry, I would have I would have walked in front of you too. <laughs> I, I would have front kicked him right across the restaurant. Because, you know, I mean, this, some people can just be so unrealistic. Let's talk about the martial arts. Like that father that I was talking about. He wanted yeah. his kid to learn self-defense with no contact. I'm like, you're crazy. You know, and, you, and he kept like, he tried to hover for the first couple of weeks also. I forgot to mention that. I kind of went, shh, You know, my job, unless you have a black belt too. But then again, you have a, you don't, you know, even if you did have a black belt, it's probably not in my art. Otherwise, I'd know who you are. So you have no say anyway. Right. So be quiet. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, anyway, the uh, you know it's I, I just find it really sad that you know some schools will will go that route. I, I see it also in Tai Chi. Not you know I think you know and this is kind of off the subject, but I think many you know uh, like YMCA you know type Tai Chi classes won't teach the martial side of Tai Chi because of the fact, two reasons, that they're in a YMCA, uh, two, um, or two, they don't know the martial side, or three, they're afraid that the YMCA might get sued if someone falls down after getting pushed too hard or, or gets whiplash after being pulled too hard or something like that, right? It's, 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 it's sad because I'm even seeing that in Tai Chi, I mean, come on. It's like, oh, my gosh. Man, oh, man. But Yeah, but I, I think it's B. That the people don't know what they're doing? No, people don't know the martial applications. Right, right, right. I mean, I, I think I'll have to – my Internet is still down. What's going on? Jeez. <laughs> I wanted to read um, part of uh, this article that Sifu – um, Pete Starr had um, written to kind of bring this this subject to light here. Let's see if I can uh, 
Let's see if I can get there without hanging up on Skype. Let's see here. Um, Facebook. <laughs> Let's see. Dun, dun, dun. Where'd it go? Seattle Wushu Center. Did you post this, Robert? There's this picture of this dude that's drinking a beer. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> and it says, it says, dude, drink it a beer. And it says, I'm not an asshole. I'm a hemorrhoid. I irritate assholes. <laughs> okay, let's see. Where's my where's where's my page here? Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, so um where's the article? Now this is a lengthy lengthy article, so let me see if it'll actually uh Bring it up here. Come on, bring it up. Really? Oh, it's taking forever. I I don't know why. I'm trying to don't understand why I don't have internet. Okay. Um. Oh, wow, this is so slow. Okay. Um, Sifu Pete Star. He he actually wrote on his page Ibi Kwan Kung Fu. I'm still waiting for it to load. Because it was a brilliant, brilliant essay that he uh, that he wrote, and it addresses pretty much everything that we talked about. It's called uh, Chiku and Traditional Training by Philip Starr. Um, and kudos to uh, uh, Sifu Starr for this article and uh, and for letting me share it. In the practice of contemporary martial arts, there's a tendency for instructors and students to shy away from any training routine that involves the possibility of much discomfort or injury. This is only natural. As human beings, we don't usually want to flock to engage in activities that are inherently painful or risky, and we tend to take a hard look at these weirdos who do. (laughs) We're weirdos, you guys. (laughs) I recall watching a group of students practice one-step fighting in a certain martial arts school some years ago. The attacker would step back into the usual pre-attack position, execute a snappy low block as he did so. When the receiver was ready to perform his defensive maneuver, he would utter a strong ki, and the attacker would execute a powerful lunging thrust. The receiver would step back, block the attack, and deliver a crisp counterattack. Sound familiar? Sure it does. It's Ipon Kumite. It's one of the usual one-step fighting drills that every student of karate and taekwondo has practiced hundreds and thousands of times, except for one thing. The participants were standing at least eight feet apart. When the receiver executed his blocking technique, he never even touched the aggressor's arm. And when he counterpunched, his fist was at least four feet away from the attacker's body. Naturally, I asked the instructor why the students didn't touch each other at all during this common training exercise. He told me he didn't want them to bruise their arms or risk striking each other if their blows weren't adequately controlled. Good Lord. Well, these folks must be in great shape if they're ever attacked by a strong gust of wind. (laughs) (laughs) That's seafood peace for you. Now, don't get me wrong. I certainly don't advocate uncontrolled violence as a training tool. I remember visiting another martial arts school whose members engaged in full contact sparring within two weeks of enrollment. The neophytes, who had no real knowledge of martial arts technique, were thrown to the lions like so much raw meat. To say they got the stuffing pounded out of them would be a serious understatement. The instructor reasoned that if 
One wanted to become skilled at fighting. One had to know what it's like to get hit. Students were told that they had to learn to keep going even if they've been struck very forcefully because, quote, unquote, that's what real combat is like. And Pete says, good thing they don't teach swordsmanship. <laughs> Certainly. I believe that students need to develop strong technique and strong spirit through rigorous training. I believe that real martial arts technique and spirit cannot be understood or developed except through the application of controlled violence. The operative word in that sentence is controlled. Beginning students are unable to understand this concept, and it has to be presented to them very gradually. But as they grow and develop their skills, they must learn to accept this fact and train accordingly. Violence is, after all, why the martial arts were originally developed. Here, here. They were not cultivated to help their followers discover their inner child as a, as a, as a means for various ailments or for thrilling audiences. I once told my students that they would learn much from pain and discomfort than they ever would from sheltered contentment. In traditional Japanese martial arts, there's a term describing this type of practice. It's called nangyo. In Chinese, we call it nanhang. It refers to hardship, nan, uh, also known as nan, and a road which is traveled by many people, perhaps like, you know, a crossroads. This is an accepted part of the traditional martial ways, a true necessary ingredient for the development of true skill and understanding. The Chinese usually refer to this particular aspect of training as qi ku, which means eat bitter. In contrast to the aforementioned karate school, wherein participants never touched each other, the former head of the Japan Karate Association, Master Masatoshi Nakayama, Recalled that when he was training under Master Gichin Funakoshi during his college years, his arms would be so sore and bruised from blocking his partner's attacks that he could hardly lift them. Another kendo master spoke of being struck so hard on the front of his helmet that it knocked him to his knees and splintered his partner's shinai. Students of the legendary Morihei Ushiba recalled how his vice-like grip would leave bruises on their wrists, and Americans who trained in judo under Kyuzo Mifune, spoke about being thrown so hard they were rendered unconscious. My own teacher, Master W.C. Chen, remembered seeing exhausted classmates run out of the drill line, then vomit. <laughs> that was me. <laughs> Some of these things would be considered a tad bit excessive by today's standards. But it gives you an idea of what traditional training was like back in the day. It wasn't done because the instructor was a sadistic brute who wanted to puff out his machismo for all the world to see, such as, although such instructors, if the term can be applied to them, have always existed. The instructor's first and only concern was for the students, to help them develop real skill as opposed to something that, that only looks good but has no real internal substance. In time, Students develop a strong sense of self-confidence. They don't fear being attacked because that happens every night they attend class. Some years ago, one of my students was forced to defend himself against an angry thug who was wielding a baseball bat. When he told me about it, he smiled and said, I wasn't really afraid of the guy at all. Heck, I get punched, punched at by professionals at least three times a week in the training hall. <laughs> now, for the, traditioners of, uh, for the teachers of traditional Budo, it's a delicate balance, however. How can we push the students and keep the violence under control? And that was a, a question that uh, Hanshi Vena had uh, alluded to at the, at the beginning of the show. 
Naturally, no competent teacher wants to see a student get hurt, get hurt, but some minor injuries are unavoidable and should be expected. Anyone who spent much time in the martial arts has, has had his or her fair share of split lips, strawberries, bruises, and the like. Some have even broken a small bone or two. It happens. It's, a, it's simply the nature of the beast. Minor injuries are very common and should be expected. It's a simple part of the developmental process in the budo. Having said that, I must also emphasize that it's the responsibility of the instructor and the seniors to do their best to ensure that the violence never escalates beyond a certain level. As a student's skill increases, the attacks he faces in the training hall must become more and more realistic. That is, if he fails to perform his defensive maneuver correctly, he may well be knocked on his tail. At the same time, students must gradually learn that a bloody lip isn't the end of the world and it's still possible to continue training even after getting smacked in the ribs. Eat bitter, folks. All right, special thanks to Sifu Peter Starr of Yili Kwan Kung Fu for sharing that wonderful essay on Facebook with us. So thank you, thank you, thank you. Right on. Our, we have about 15 minutes left of our broadcast, and I just want to kind of delve a little bit into, um, we kind of delved into it, but uh, delved a little bit more into the nature of music in the dojo. So, you know, let's start with you two. Um, you know, do, do you guys, uh, have you guys ever or do you currently use music in the dojo? Let's start with Sifu Bop. Sifu Bob? Sifu Bob, are you there? I am now. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I had it on mute. Uh I've always I've always used music sometimes to get uh uh to pump up a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh and other times to uh to get a rhythm going, especially when we're doing sticks. Because you know, congas mm-hmm. have always existed within a screamer. Yes, yes. Congas yes, and kulintong and uh, kulintong yeah. and gongs and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. definitely. And, and Panjak Silat. You've got a very rhythmic uh, affluent uh, to, to to their art. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that kind that kind of music. And like I said, sometimes I'll just I'll want to feel like getting everybody pumped up, so I'll play something real loud and fast. Mhm. Very cool. Awesome. What about you, Hanchi? Yes, of course. Um, Okinawa is very uh, rich in their traditional music, uh, and because we practice Ishinru, uh, one of the family clan dances was Sunasu. So, yes, mm-hmm. music is an integral part of our teaching, of our tradition. And um, as I said before, in the, in the dojo, uh, we use it for many reasons, just like uh, uh, was previously mentioned, uh, rhythm, uh, mm-hmm. uh, uh, setting the tone of the class, uh, especially if it's um, Okinawan music. Uh, mm-hmm. Yes, uh, the answer to the question is yes. We use music. Oh, right on. I do too. It's uh, in fact the 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 dojo seems like really like sparse and empty without it. Um, it's kind of like like you said earlier, like whether or not somebody hears it, it's there and it opens up the awareness a little bit. I like right now I've got music on, but I can't hear it because I've got the headset on, but I know it's there and I know that I'm listening for it, even though I'm not hearing it. You know what I mean? And I think it's a great training that way, um, yeah. you know, to, to kind of like open up that sense, 
in in that aspect and um and um i and I also think that that like you said earlier, feeling the music and finding that rhythm is a great training tool um I have a lot of drum music. Uh, on my iPod, and I'll blast that if we're doing Eskrima drills and um, our knife drills and stuff like that. And and I and I'll say, I want you to find this this rhythm. I want you to find this fast rhythm. Go with the beat for this carenza, and don't stop. Don't you know? Don't think too hard. Just like try to keep the beat. Do whatever. And you know. People that are new to that kind of training, it's like following a metronome. They can't quite do it. But if you let them do it every day, they'll gradually feel it and hear it and then go to it. And then I'll say, okay, break the rhythm now. Break the rhythm. Let's see some half beats. Let's see some quarter beats. Let's see some, you know, syncopation in there. Let's let's see you do that. And it's such a great training tool. Like, no wonder Capoeira uses it. Um, I did taiko for about two years. I took uh, taiko lessons for about two years, and I found that to be very, um, a, a very integral part to my martial training because a lot of it is. You have to send key through your bachi, your sticks, to the drum. And uh, the the drum, especially the odaiko, the big drum, makes a certain sound when you have your key actually going through the stick. If you just hit it, you just get like, you know, this dull thud. But if you've got just the right amount of energy through it, 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 it's a resounding sound. And it's, it, it's just so un, unexplainable how that kind of training, taiko, just drumming, um, really helped um, in the martial arts. It's, it's just, it's, I, I think everyone should try taiko. If there is a, a uh, any kind of drumming class near you it doesn't matter if it's taiko or congas or it doesn't matter you know um even like you know southeast asian drums or kulintong or gongs you know it doesn't matter go try it it's i think it's a it's a great training tool for martial artists right on so you know it's too bad that that my board was not able to come up because it would have been great to uh, get back on Facebook and ask people to come join us on our open floor. And uh, but I guess it was us three, right, Bob? There's no one else that called in. No, no, that was it. Just oh, well, that that kind of bites. Well, un- unless you guys have anything to add about music or anything else, uh, I think we'll have to call it a we'll have to call it a day. So uh, I think it was Bob, a great you- show. Yeah, I thought it was too. Can you punch our can you punch our uh, handy dandy outro music real quick? <laughs> oh, let, let let me see if I, I if I can find it here. There it is. <laughs> it might help if I did a if I did a left click instead of a right click, and it's oh. down. And it's down. Oh, there we go. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Hanchi Vena, for joining us. Sorry about all the technical that I had to go through. <laughs> oh, man. So thanks for joining us, Hanchi. Oh, you're welcome. Oh, okay. There you go. Right on. I, oops. Did I get cut off? What happened? Okay. Oh, um, no, you're good. Yeah, what happened to the music? Just, like, stop. <laughs> it's weird. It's so cool um, in the background. Yeah, okay. 
but you know, one of these days when things get a little more like settled and I get into the rhythm of things with this whole new care schedule for my mom and stuff, um, I'm gonna start. I'm gonna start listening in and, and getting back into the swing of things with Modern Combat Masters. So <laughs> I know Whoa. I've been away for a while, but I kind of want to like just kind of get back in the loop with Modern Combat Masters with everyone. But I just need to like get all this other stuff done. So thanks, Hanchi, and thanks, Sifu Bob. We will see everyone next week. Next week is the twentieth, if I remember correctly. And you know you got to tune in, folks, because we are going to be joined by none other than Kathy Long. She is going to be joining us again, but this time as a regular co-host every three months or so. Um, so Very get your cool. questions ready for Kathy. Um, and if you have any questions, write them down, call in, ask them um, anything about training um, or her her kickboxing career or her current MMA career or her philosophy on things or, you know, even calling in to suggest a uh, subject for all of us to talk about. You are welcome to join us with Kathy Long alongside Bob Deal and myself, Restita De Jesus. So have a great night, everyone, and hopefully by next week we'll have all our audio problems solved. Good night, everybody. Good night, now. Good night. Good night.